everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Golden Age podcast. And today I have with me Gibran Elbazi. And I'm probably once again butchering your name, but that's actually where I want to start. So we did a call before the, the podcast and you shared like the origins of your name because it's not a common uh, Dutch name. So mm -hmm. please tell us about a little bit about how uh, the story behind your own name. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and you're not butchering at all, uh, actually. So it's, um, my parents uh, were uh, frantic readers, or still are. Um, and they, uh, they also had a bookstore together, a uh, secondhand bookstore. Uh, I think up to when I was two years old, something like that. So I, 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 there are moments when I was in the bookstore as well, but I can't remember them. But um, they, like I said, they were reading a lot, a lot of philosophy and, and spiritual texts and, uh, and history, all kinds of things. But one uh, philosopher or poet they, they both admired a lot was Khalil Gibran. And it's um, a poet from like 100 years ago or so, or maybe even longer ago. Um, and his name, is, it starts with a G. And they well, very much liked his, his writing and, and thinking. So that's why they named me Gibran, but then with a J uh, at the start. Uh, so that's yeah. like the the, well, the short, short and long of it, actually. Yeah, the origin story. So a question that I have is like, does the, the, the fact that your parents had a secondhand bookstore and they were voracious readers, did that, did, did that impact it? your own relationship with reading? And if so, how? Um, yeah, there's always like chicken and egg or nature nurture thing, of course. I mean, because they are both very curious people, um, creative people. Maybe that's why I became one because it's just like genes. But when they, well, the, the second head bookstore, they, um, at some point it, they, um, they had to close it down because it wasn't making enough money. Um, but they were left with like uh, rows and rows of, of books. So when I grew up, we had, had, a, had a, all the rooms were full with, with bookshelves, full with books of like about everything. Uh, so I, and, and I was always interested in, in reading from a very young age. So I just grabbed like any book from the, from the, the books from the, 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 the closet and started reading. Um, like when I was seven, I I, I had uh, uh, hiccups a lot, so I was gonna look through the encyclopedia. Like, how can I figure out how to stop um, mm. stop having hiccups? So then I, well, I found out you could like drink water and then take deep deep breaths and drink another uh, another glass of water and things like that. Just I was I was really curious, and, and it was like it was before the internet, so uh, it was I I was very much um, uh, privileged to to read a lot. Um, so I'm not sure if it's growing up, uh, with books surrounding me or my parents reading a lot, but like reading is like, is like the main thing I, I did and still do. Um, and now also writing, of course, but, uh, yeah. started with yeah. reading. Yeah. So, uh, I, I want to explore two or three different things throughout mm. this conversation, but one of like there's a lot of people that go on Twitter on our side of Twitter and, and they are very happy that there are people 
exploring like the boundaries of new businesses and sharing that knowledge or exploring the boundaries of knowledge and sharing that. Uh, but like one of the things that I'm really, really grateful for is following people that are older than me and that have uh, long relationships. And you're actually one of those. You you have a relationship with your, with your wife and you talk about some of the principles uh, sometimes on Twitter that allow you to have a great relationship. And I would love to focus a little bit on that. Is that is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Perfect. So one of the things that I really enjoyed is uh, this, how you met your wife, like the, mm. the moment where you decided that mm, maybe I should approach that. And I would love for you to tell that story and just share how you went from that to start and having a relationship with her. Mm. Okay. So uh, the first time I saw her was... Uh... In the in uni, um, I was uh, I was there uh, doing the the degree to become like a biology teacher, and uh, suddenly I saw her walking uh, across the hallway, and I was like, "This like the most beautiful butt I've ever seen." <laughs> I'm like, I'm, um, should lean in, lean into my horniness, right? Yeah. <laughs> like like, like uh, some people say on Twitter. Anyway, yeah. but uh, I was like them um and then um she was there she did a, a degree before that uh um how do you call it in english orthopedagogy i think like a, a pedagogy but then a master's degree for something like anyway mm. uh helping helping kids uh with stuff but she then wanted to do a a biology teaching degree as well so she came in like a into uni from from the side i'm not sure in, in different countries you've different names for that i guess but she could do like a, a, a short version of it um mm. and then uh i just had in my mind okay i i need to uh, uh so i sometimes have to look for <laughs> english words. words yeah um, I, I get it trust me yeah i uh i need to like i, I need to figure out a way how, how i can uh uh, start dating her. So uh, then there came the moment where I was going with I was part of an activity committee in in uni, and we went on a uh, on a trip like a partial fun trip, but also partial um, like biology teaching trip uh, with with about 30 of the students. And I had gone the year before. So this year I was a, a part of the activity committee like setting it up and helping and things like that. And then Gigi, I'm, that's not her real name, but I'm not going to say her mm -hmm. real name. Of course. She, she went, she went uh, as well, but as, as one of the, the students that still had to do it. So, and I had set my mind to, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, um, I can't find the word, um, uh, for she approach. approach, approach her, like, um, just hit on her or whatever. Uh, yeah. So, um, and and it went went okay at the end of the um uh, of that that weekend um we we made the the deal that i would cook for her at my home uh she well i, I said i i want to i want to meet uh, again we we kissed during that weekend and i said after like uh, I'd, I'd like to meet you again and she said okay that's fine but you're gonna cook for me at your home like very straight to the point <laughs> Which, which I like, which is, was of course one of the things that I, I also liked about her when, when I was chatting her up, uh, she was very, uh, direct and confident. Um, 
so then well i i, I she went over to my place a few weeks later and i i, I was like a a, a broke ass student and i i quickly got curtains a few a few days before cur curtains in my, my room things like that <laughs> so yeah. uh, um anyway so it went when all went good and then uh she said yeah but i'm uh, i'm also going to uh, suriname for uh, half a year for um my internship and i was like shit i just got an internship uh in a, in a town uh, nearby for for my uh, uh for my studies uh, mm. which means we'll not see each other for six six months and uh we just met so i'm like yeah it's probably gonna be like out of sight out of mind if you just just met so then i was like okay but i'm i'm actually like falling in love so what should i do so then i uh had had the, the grand idea of uh asking her to um come with me for one week to uh to a um uh this it's called terschelling it's a very dutch name uh it's like an island on the front of uh like at the top of the netherlands mm. um and uh, my mother uh they had a a small cabin there not anymore sadly but um and i asked gigi to come with me for a week there uh just to, for uh, for holidays but it was also in the back of my mind an idea to like test out how would we be to get how would we vibe if we we're together like more than just one night uh mm. and like halfway uh during the week i was like this is this is like uh uh like how do you say it? But just like real love. So I was so in love. So then halfway in the week, I, I asked her, should I come with you to Suriname? Uh, and she first thought I was joking, but I wasn't. Uh, so then uh, I went to, to Suriname with her for the next half year. Um, but it also meant like the, the un university said to me like, okay, uh, your internship is, is, uh, you, it, it, you're, you're cancelled your in internship, even if you're going to do an internship in Suriname, it's not going to count towards your uh, degree. So uh, you'll have to do the next year again. Like it was all bluff in the end. But they, at the time, it looks like they like they meant it. But I was like, like, fuck you, I'm, I'm just gonna do it. And, um, and then I came back uh, with Gigi. And then um, we uh, I I got like full grades for uh, for the internship, so it, it was fine in the end. Awesome. Anyway, so that's that's how we uh, that's a bit how we met. That's a, a a great story, and like you guys have been together for a while, you already have kids, and one of the 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 things that I'm really interested in is how are because because I'm in a relationship myself, and I do believe that it's true love, and uh, my girlfriend believes that too, and we're always trying to understand how. Can we try to bulletproof our relationship by learning with people that have been doing this for longer than ourselves? And so what are some of the principles that you believe actually help you live uh, a meaningful long-term relationship? Um, there's, I think there's multiple. Um, one, one is like having faith that it, it'll be all right in the end. Even if you have like a really, I mean, it's not as if we haven't had uh, big fights or anything. Of course. Um, I mean, uh, maybe as maybe especially so. I like. Um, so it communication is like 
is like key and that's like it sounds maybe like a platitude platitude almost but it's if you if you don't communicate what then then you'll just grow apart and then um then you don't share anything anymore so even if you have big fights or you're um i mean you'll hurt each other during a relationship uh we've hurt each other uh, a lot like not not, hit, not hitting but just... yeah I think that's another one forgiveness if you forgive each other forgive yourself um be honest if if you feel bad or anything um and you keep it locked up inside it, it just starts to fester and, and grow but if you mm. share it then then you can put it on a table and maybe you'll even find that like um your partner has had similar ideas or thoughts and then you can suddenly talk about it together you know in, mm. instead of all both thinking you only you're the, you're the only one feeling shitty or, or anything like that um so the yeah communication forgiving each other um yeah. and just having fun i guess i mean making time for each other is really important as well and especially I, before we had kids that was easier it was just like in the evening in many of the evenings we just had time for each other uh but yeah. with kids it's it, you uh, you have to actually plan to have time together um mm. like we have a, a weekly date night uh where we whatever the the what we do during the date night well that's a secret but no it's just, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, it's also just uh like sometimes we we watch a series sometimes we play a game sometimes we yeah. make plans it, it doesn't matter but it's just a moment where time is only for the two of us, um, yeah. because if, yeah. because else you'll just be uh, like two people living in the same house and both having the same kids, but not feeling connected if you don't do stuff one yeah. on one as well. Um, yeah. that, so not that sure was... if answering some of the things you can. Yeah, yeah. If you want, need, want more, tell me. Yeah, no, th th those those are like those make a lot of sense, and uh, I can share that from the conversations that i've been having uh those are actually some of the most common ones like everyone talks a lot about communication uh and forgiveness and a lot of times they talk about like forgiving for yourself first because sometimes if you're developing a relationship with someone that person will have like it it, it will probably be like the person to whom you'll spend the most time with and and will be closer with and so by the sheer proximity of your relationship, it will also be the one that has more power to hurt you and or, or at least to explore those parts of you that you haven't forgave, uh, forgive, not uh, like forgive. And so uh, what it ends up creating like these, these, these discussions and, and this pain from both sides. And so communication and forgiveness are uh, effectively two of them um, that people share the most. Uh, so changing a little bit of, of subjects, I would love to ask you about your creativity self-assessment. So let's say that someone's listening to this show, he, they never heard of, of you or like what specifically what a creative self-assessment is. Guide us through like, how did you build it? What is it? Why did you do it? Everything. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, well, maybe I'll just start with how I built it because it's like well, easiest, I'm not sure, but that's top of mind now. So um, I had a, I had a bunch of questions. There was, well, maybe I'm not starting how I'll just talk. I had a bunch of questions that I found would come up all the time when I was talking to people um, about their creativity or actually bl like blocked creativity um, and also with my on my on my own. So when I was journaling, for example, of some different kinds of questions, um, when I used them as prompts, gave me a lot of could could um, were like were good prompts. They they pulled a lot of pulled a lot out of me to to then see in front of me to reflect on, um, and so I, I got, got gathered many of those questions, and then at some point I I was seeing like. Um, some of them would fit together in, in specific themes. And, and there's like four themes uh, that, that, that I see as important in, sorry, in uh, creativity or just maybe just self-expression in, in general, uh, which is like, like you discovering who, like who you are and understanding yourself, but also having the confidence or to overcome your, your limiting beliefs um then doing the work like like actually give, having a creative output and then the last one is like in connection with others or welcoming people or creating together so that more the community aspect of it and those four areas really they all have specific questions you can ask around self-expression that can then well make you reflect on on how you're standing there um so those questions were uh, were questions I, I had and, and, and also asked people uh, a bunch. And then I was like, it, it could also be useful to put those into a assessment and then people can see for themselves maybe where they stand. And it's not like it's not like good or bad because it, it's like a self-assessment. So it's just looking, maybe someone else like gives uh, five points for uh, whatever, uh, 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 that they're not uh, overthinking things. But maybe someone else gives themselves three points for that, even though the one giving themselves three points actually overthinks uh, or sabotages less than than the other one. So it's it's really for yourself to to fill out. Even though I I do like show the the average of of people that fill it in as well if you get the results. But you you fill it in and then you get the results and then you can just like see w which of those four areas do you need to work on most uh, if you if you want to. Um, and some of them are maybe not applicable. Like, for example, one question is, um, I, I can make a living from my creative work within a year. Um, I mean, if, if, if that's not your goal, then, and you, and it's not, uh, it you, then it's, then it's not, uh, um, then it doesn't matter. Like, uh, it, it's not like the points say how good or bad you are. It's just for yourself. Um, yeah, and I'm, I made it in, uh, like, I used a bunch of different tools and hooked them up together. Uh, I use uh, a, a form, tally forms now. First, I uh, used Airtable forms. The data is in Airtable. Uh, and then I do some automation with uh, uh, Integromat and Zapier and, and some charting software. So I could, could use a lot of, I, I use a lot of my uh, previous, like, software engineering uh, skills as well in there so that was was a lot of fun making it actually like a like a cool weekend project um yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm not sure if I'm answering all your questions. Yeah. So, yeah. So my question was like, would be um, out of the results that you 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 got, like, I, I, have you ever noticed any pattern, like mm. that people tend to, I don't know, uh, they tend to position themselves slower in the, or have troubles with their authentic voice and discovering themselves like what are some of the patterns that you saw emerging out of the the assessment uh, there's there's a few a few two very clear ones and, and those are uh, the people c compare themselves a lot to others um, like the constantly comparing themselves that's, that's I think the first or the second one and the other one is uh, uh, overthinking uh their work and, and what they're doing so those those two are, are very big ones um and i also ask people uh, like in what um area they're working in creativity like fine arts or crafts or writing or multimedia and or design um and it's also funny to see like the the differences between those um mm. Uh, how do you say it? Uh, sets of people between those different uh, industries, or and for example, you see in the, in the uh, fine arts, uh, people are look more at least how they answer it are more um, have more trouble with the the mindset side of things like uh, uh, fear of failures, self sabotage, things like that. Uh, mm. While in multimedia, that's that's not that big of a problem. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's maybe also some part self-selection, right? Because if you're in multimedia making whatever YouTube videos, things like that, you're already putting yourself out there. So you're like less afraid to do that. Well, like because you're doing it already or you were yeah. never that afraid and that's why you're doing it. Um, and also so. it, in that case, I'm thinking it also, it's, it's, uh, it's a different relationship between these crafts, right? Uh, so because I was a musician, I, I, I think I can understand a little bit like the, the, the people that are coming for fine hearts, they usually develop this relationship with the craft itself, either that being music, painting, all that stuff. And it's deeply influenced by the kind of teachers that they have and by the kind of, of art pieces that they consume, or music pieces that they consume. And that just, it, it, it makes you always like, like you always have someone who does it way better and just changed culture through a painting or through mm. a, a specific musical piece. And I think that that kind of relation or that kind of, of art, it, it creates a, a different relationship with yourself than say multimedia or doing YouTube videos. Uh, not to say one is best than the other, mm. but they're, they're, I think that they involve a, com a completely different set of not only uh, skills, but also like, um, I would call it sensibilities, probably. Like it's 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 rather different to 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 create a multimedia project and to create a symphony or to create like a, a song. So I, I would say that 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 actually makes makes sense from my experience thinking about creators on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, and also like so. Besides first, besides that one, is there any other pattern that you see uh, emerging out of the results, or that's like the biggest one? Mm. I, I could grab my Excel sheet with, with results, but it's like, <laughs> it's maybe <laughs> taking too long. Yeah. Um, uh, let me think. I, th I think 
Yeah, I uh, I pr I ordered them from um, like most difficulty to least difficulty, but I'm and it's been a few weeks since I looked at them, so I'm not sure yeah. what what uh, what is that like. But I, I know true. those two like overthinking and, and comparing yourself out to the two biggest ones I at least. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think self sabotage is one is some like in the top seven as well somewhere. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So you mentioned like your own uh, creative life um, is, is focused on also on writing. You write a lot on your newsletter, which by the way, I recommend people to subscribe. Uh, and, and I want to, to go into specific ideas that you shared there. And one of them is that life is like Legos. Can you unpack that for us? It's been a while since I wrote that one. Uh, yeah, like I think I think the the theme that I try to um, it's funny that you grabbed that one. I I haven't thought about that that essay for a long time. Even though I I saw some people, a lot of people actually liked it. But <laughs> I that's what that yeah. was one of the ones I wrote very quickly. Um, yeah, like life's like Legos because it's um, like when you build something from Legos, it's you you you're creating something like bringing something into the world which is really beautiful that's uh yeah. and and like and in that way i think like life is a creative expression um but it also like legos you can like break them down again or get destroyed uh accidentally or on purpose um yeah. and that's with life as well so in life you also have moments where things fall apart, fall apart. Um, but like the important thing is, even though when things fall apart, if you have other people around you to support you, to uh, hug you, or uh, then then it's okay because there's other people that that can help you pick up the pieces, like literally. literally. So that I think it's all about how I build like a huge Lego castle uh, as a kid, and yeah. I want to show it to my mom. Um, my mom was upstairs and I like had, had a big, very big book and then where, on which I had built it. And then I was carrying it up the stairway and then I tripped and like my world, my Lego world fell in, into pieces without my mom having seen the beautiful thing I built. So it was really, it's really sad, but my mom like supported me and helped me and, 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 uh, like pick up the pieces. So that's, that's like life, uh, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the reason why I chose this, that one is because it resonates a lot as a metaphor. And, and, and like, I, I look at it and I think about my girlfriend, she loves Legos. And we were talking about like a few transformations that were happening. And like, I, I, I it, it matched like me getting ready for the, your interview and we having this conversation. And it was just a perfect conversation mm -hmm. where I could point out that, well, sometimes uh, the best thing you can do is actually to deliberately, like, let's say that you're building something you're in your life as a le as a Lego, right? And you want a specific part of that Lego to be like all red, but you put like a block that's yellow. Mm. And afterwards, when you look at it, maybe what actually makes sense is to just to take the parts out and, and to um, destroy part of your own uh, construction. So you can remove that yellow brick, put the red one and build it. Uh, again right and so that metaphor to me it's 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 very powerful like any any it, it 
it applies to a bunch of different things. It applies to different decisions that you made or different beliefs that you have or even different traumas that you can go back and just remove that. So that resonated a lot. That was one of my uh, favorite pieces of yours. Another one is you have this other more recent one uh, that's called uh, the symbol that is you. And so you talk about uh, the, the so I and instead of me just giving sharing what what you share there i want to to pass the ball to you and and just allow us to understand what you mean with the symbol that is you basically Mm. with that idea um yeah so um like everything is a is in a sense a symbol um like the um we like we let's say oh well i have a pen here in front of me and I mean, I say this is a pen, you know, um, where I give, give, give a sound to this pattern of um, matter, which in this pattern, I would say is a pen. And we agree it's a pen because we all use the same symbol for this uh, pa- pattern of, uh, of matter that that's, is in this shape. Um, but it's not only with like objects outside of us. We like ourselves, not not even speaking about our body, but like just our personality is in a sense as well a symbol. And it's a pattern of thinking of our actions of, of uh, like our behavior um, that is together forms like forms Gibran. But other people have a, a like a, a, uh, a, a pattern of thinking uh, about me. They, do, they don't see my internal mind, for example. So they project their symbol version of me onto me. And I do that with other people as well. So we we're all um, looking at, at each other and ourselves as really as, as a symbol. Um, and it's all in fractals, of course, because at, at like one like this, like this pen, it's made of, of, of pieces, you know, so and this is a symbol and this is a symbol together, they form another symbol. So it's like it's all also fractals. Um, but that's it, a specific set of symbols, then we give a name um, and we really tell a story around that symbol. So the, the set of symbols creates a narrative in our mind. Uh, like the narrative for this is I can write with it. For example, this is a pen and I can write with it. Um, and I also have a narrative for myself, which is like huge because like my whole narrative, that is essentially, I'd say, my personality um, yeah. or identity. Um, so the, the set of symbols that is me defines my narrative, my, my story, but my story or narrative is also at the same time, um, creating how I look at the world. I look at the world through a specific lens, like the, the Gibran lens with, uh, that's based on my set of symbols. And because I look at the world through my lens, then I, um, I say of different things, ah, this is a pen or this is like a microphone or, or whatever, or uh, that's jam. And, and mm. in that sense, I'm um, selecting which patterns I say are important and which are not, which symbols I find important and which are not. But those symbols, again, create my narrative. So it's a loop or, or a cycle, how would you say it? A, a loop. So the symbols yeah. create my narrative. But my narrative selects my symbols, and my symbols create my narrative, etc., etc., etc. So yeah. it's, um, 
yeah, so was I going with it in the end? I'm not even sure what what, what conclusion I wrote at the end. Um, but I th thought that yeah. the idea was important at least. Yeah, and, and, and I actually really enjoyed that idea. And I've been, like, I, I from my background in corporate training, sometimes I, I would do these courses on leadership and on performance. And that was, like, one of the things that I talked about, which was, like, you need to understand... Uh, that you have this internal narrative within you. You have this, not only internal, but also external, but you have this narrative about you that's dictated by the, the, the everything happening around you and the, the meaning that you give those, the, the interpretation of those as symbols, right? And, and one of the things that you mentioned is precisely this idea that we, if we want to bring some kind of transformation, we want to change our story explicitly by changing our habits or implicitly, implicitly, uh, implicitly, yeah, by changing like our personal narratives. And so, one of the questions that I would have is like, I, I'm assuming you already went through this process of of changing some of your own personal narratives, and I would love to to understand like. What were some of the strategies that you use to do that? Like, what are some of the tools that you use to be able to change that narrative about Gibran? Um, a bunch. Um, I think a very important one, uh, which I think I started with first, at least like consciously started with, was, was journaling. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, writing to myself, um, like every day for a while. Um, I don't do it that often. I mean, I do still do it a few times a week, I guess, but um, not uh, not um, like as much like in I think in 2019 or so I was in a really dark place. And then I started journaling every day, every day. Um, and also taking sometimes some microdoses of psychedelic mushrooms, <laughs> which helped as well. Um, they go hand in hand, let's say. Um, but that helped me to, yeah, bring bring to light some of like my darker parts. And in the beginning, it was really I was just bringing them to light, but I couldn't really interpret them well enough yet. Uh, or I thought I I interpreted inter interpreted them well, but um, then later found it was my interpretation was again just a dark pattern uh so it's layers upon layers uh of of uh like mud that you have to crawl through to get to get yeah. to insights i mean it's not like i'm i've finished i don't think anyone can really be finished in that sense but you, you can i do think you can be like finished enough so to speak to like live live life and i don't want to say normal because i don't think any life is normal like to live to live peacefully enough, like where, where there's like a before and after, um, and where there's a, um, how should I say it? I think because like, I think one of the, um, narratives I had, like for the largest part of my life was like that I was not, not enough, not good enough, or that I wasn't worthy or something like that. Um, and that has shifted so that now it's on the other side. I, I feel I am enough. And, um, mm -hmm. and there's all, there's still like, there are still many flinch responses. I mean, I still can get angrier or something like that, but it's like, now it doesn't define me anymore. It's not like, 
in the past it would have been oh i'm doing this because i'm so, so bad or or whatever inside um yeah so and i think getting people from from like that trauma side to that um i don't like to use the word awakened here but because i'm it also has other meanings and yeah. people use in, in spirituality and things like that but but i mean like you 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 have woken up in a sense to to um you you can see more clearly inside of yourself and see that that at the core you're good even though there's still maybe some behaviors or practices or whatever that that maybe not might maybe are not ideal but they're not defining you anymore it's not like you um yeah so you've accepted yourself in a sense that's that yeah. idea so i've i accept i accept myself now which in the past i would i would i wouldn't uh have said so yeah yes i was saying maybe i i would have said it like literally but but ha hadn't taught it at that time like um rational rationalizing everything in the past and now um not anymore so sorry what what did you want to say no, no, no. It, it, it makes no sense. It's one. It was one of. It, it's one of those things that sometimes you 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 want you know, but after do, going through the experience, you understand, right? There's that difference. Oh, I know that I should accept myself, or I accept myself, and I say that because I'm 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 purely rationalizing something, and then I go through the experience, and I finally know what it is to accept themselves. Yeah, and and I, I think that I, I was just adding that I think that is is very related with the relationship between our behaviors and our identity and how sometimes we tend to believe that we are what we practice uh and 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 there's a direct connection and even though our, our what we do it will influence who you are but it's not who literally we are i remember having a teacher once said to me that just because you play a bad concert that doesn't mean you're a bad musician just because you give a, a bad class, it doesn't mean that you're a bad teacher, right? And that, that difference is, is something very, very important. So before we get into, into the morning golden age, I, I, I do have to ask you about your latest essay. So I, I'll just give you some feedback, uh, some background. What I usually do when I'm reading essays or getting ready for these interviews, I go through an essay, a book, anything else, and I'll start taking notes. I'll, I'll copy them and I'll highlight parts that I want to ask. and. Yesterday I was reading. I, I left your 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 latest uh, essay, Doctor Strange Love, to to um, to the end because it was the last one, and I wanted to 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 explore it. Uh, and I started to take some notes, and then in the middle of, of 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 the essay, I just stopped it, and I couldn't take any notes, and I was just going through that and and really absorbing what you mentioned there and of course we will leave like a link in the in the description in the in the post so people can read all of the essays previously mentioned specifically this one but i do i i want to explore a little bit more on, on this and so basically the the whole um essay is around uh, overthinking and you have a bunch of different quotes there that I want to explore, but I would ask you first to introduce a little bit of the idea uh, behind the, the, the essay. Um, okay, so I, I started writing the essay actually in early April, April I think, something like that, um, around the time, uh, <laughs> like um, my, my daughter is born uh, around that time, like, but then uh five and a half years ago um and like 
it, it's because the the topic surrounds uh, my daughter's birth as well as, as some difficulties in my life, but also like the the main difficulty and also what the topic is about. Like my main difficulty in life is like overthinking everything. Um, so I wanted to write about that. Um, and first, I thought I'll just write a a whatever, just an, an informational article like like many others I've written in the past. Um, and I wrote a draft, but it didn't really, really feel right. Um, so then I put it down for, for a few months. And then over the summer, I created an, a more specific outline, which I was, okay, this is better at answering um, how you should actually try to well, stop overthinking or re reduce your overthinking. Because I don't think if someone is is a like a real overthinker and has been there alive, like you can't just stop suddenly, I think, but you can reduce it. Um, anyway, so I, I had, had a, some good points, I think, on, on uh, how you could do that and why it's important. Uh, so I wrote an outline for that. And then I put it down again, because one of the points in the outline was talking about, like my own, um, like deeply personal and, and traumatic experiences around uh, the birth of my daughter. Um, so I, I, it was like, felt a lot of resistance to writing it because it's, it's also like when writing it, it I, I know it, it would uh, bring up a lot, a lot of things. Um, but then, uh, Tashin, um, on Twitter, like uh, set out this contest, like, uh, okay, uh, write your, inf write an amazing informational article contest. And I was like, maybe this is a good uh, moment to like publicly commit to something. So I don't know. And then I have to do it. So I did, I, I committed to it like in uh, the 1st of September or something like that. And then I didn't write anything on it for like up to a week ago, <laughs> which is so much. Um, th that's how I went to through school and uni as a kid as well, like at, at doing it at the end. Um, I had to, when writing this, I had to think back a few times to uh, one weekend during uni when I wrote uh, like 20,000 words within one weekend for oh, a, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I slept maybe six hours in the whole weekend and bo boarded up, uh, my windows because it was very beautiful weather at the time and just wrote with four songs on repeat. Um, what, what were the four songs? Do you remember? Uh, just, Any of them? just some EDM stuff. Uh, no, mm. no idea. Uh, it's, it's not like. It's just what what I had then and what was running already, yeah. and I, it's just to like background noise to to keep my yeah, yeah. to keep me focused. Um, but uh, um, where was I? So sorry for, for no, it's it's fine. For, for so I had to think about that when I was writing this as well because I I thought this article or essay or I call it memoir article as in a memoir yeah. <laughs> article combination. I thought I'd be done with like maybe 2000 words or something, but in the end, including footnotes, it's, it's over 7,000 words. It's, uh, the longest piece I've written, uh, so far, uh, pub published piece. Um, so, um, yeah, so I started writing it and just going through all the, I think the, well, the, maybe the more informational parts, like why you shouldn't overthink, but why it most. Uh, tips around overthinking are just really shitty and and 
and what you should actually do, like embrace your intuition and, and surrender to uncertainty. And then when I got to like the surrender to uncertainty part, it's, it's getting cl really close or it's getting to where I had to surrender. Um, so that, and, and yeah, I don't, two, two things. I, one, I don't want to give away too much now, but, but, uh, yeah. but it's also not only because, um, one, one is because if I think, I think in my writing, it's, it's, I can communicate, communicate it better than now in just a few minutes. Um, yeah. and like, a like I said, like earlier, I'm, I, I wrote this piece and I want to like create a little bit of distance from me and, and it for, for, for a bit. So, um, but then, well, I, I, I can do like a meta analysis. So I, I wrote a, a piece and it was very emotional. Um, yeah. And it took me a lot of time. I had to uh, take take some time of work because I had just had needed more time to write it, <laughs> which my work wasn't very happy with. But it's I yeah. mean, this was I couldn't. This was uh, this this is, was the priority. Um, and then I published it. And yeah, so it's so my my sister said it's it's almost like it's um, like you've written your draft for the book you you have to write and 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 that's also a thought i i already had in my mind I, uh, since the birth of our daughter i i've in all the difficult difficulties i've ha always had in mind to write a book about that but i've i've never done so because it's, it's like well one for one it's it sounds almost unbelievable all the things um that happened and and the the essay just it's just a part of it. Even there's even more like weird stuff and unbelievable stuff. It's like, it's like if you watch a drama movie and then after the movie, you'd think oh, that's like way over the top. Why, why they didn't have to put all those things in there. So yeah. if I, that's, but that's, if I wanted to write like the, the full story and the second is I, when, when, uh, like five years ago, I, I wasn't really a good writer i wrote a little bit when uh like starting in, in 2011 some some mm -hmm. writing i did but mo like marketing writing but like real really starting to write is has just been a few years ago um in, in yeah. 2018 2019 so i just also felt i just wasn't i didn't have the skill yet to to write this all this um yeah so yeah i'm not sure I'm asking or yeah, uh, answering so many questions, but no, but tell me. that's fine. That, that's, that's your personal commentary comment on, on like the essay. And I think everyone should read it. I, I just want to, to highlight like three main ideas that I really enjoyed, not on the personal side of these, of, of the essay, but on the, the practical side, let's call it like, like that. Uh, you have, first of all, you wrote this beautiful quote that says that it's, um, Fear is a lousy advice giver, which I just loved. Uh, you also talk about the importance of making a choice is almost always better than doing nothing at all as a way to, to, to uh, share with over, overthinkers that they should actually try to, to make any, a, a kind of choice. You give this beautiful metaphor that people that um, are overthinking and not living in the moment can be considered as zombies, which I absolutely love. And finally, you say that 
we need to be small action maxing, meaning uh, we need to understand what are some of the very, 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 very easy actions that we can make in order to achieve the kind of goal that you want. And because of those actions, one can actually uh, surpass this idea of overthinking because they're so easy that one, one, one can do. And I would uh, encourage anyone listening to go and read the essay because it's really, really good. And I really hope you win the, the, the Tashin's con uh, contest because it, it is indeed amazing. So sh sh uh, shifting through, through the main topic of the podcast and the last topic that I want to talk about you, as you know, uh, I've been obsessed with this idea of a modern golden age and what it means to, to people. And so that would be like my first question, this topic, like when you listen to the term of modern golden age, like what's your personal definition? What it comes, what does it come to mind? Um, I'm not sure if I can like give a definition or a one sentence thing, but like, I, I do have like ideas uh, around it. I think it's a, um, I think a modern golden age cannot be built top down. Like you cannot say, um, we are going to design the world and like, almost like it's, that's like the overthinking part, I'd say, like yeah. trying to create a, a maybe a, I can do a metaphor on, on games I played, um, as a, as a kid, like strategy games. Um, yeah. you, you know, the, you have those strategy games, command and conquer or age of empires or whatever. And if you, if you were playing that like against AI, just against the computer, it, it wasn't that difficult. You, you, you build uh, something and then you create a whole base and, 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 uh, structure and, and walls and armies, etc. You have all the time to, to build your grant, grant ID. Um, mm. and then you have the, this big army and then you're going out and destroying the, well, the other armies or towns or whatever in the game. But when you're playing against a human player, they have different strategies, um, and and you don't have the time to build a whole base and design your perfect utopian uh, army city. You 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 need to send a small set of like puppets or or uh, whatever uh, army guys to one end, and take resources there, and you, you need to. It's a creative process and always like cat and mouse back and forth, um, and that's I think how how life is, and and we we can't create a utopian strategy and then like, okay, now suddenly every 8 billion people on earth, we're all going to do this. We're all now everyone wears a mask and now no one wears a mask. Now everyone has to uh, stop driving uh, a car, uh, but only now you can drive a car, whatever. It's, it's, it's hubristic, I think, to have this idea that you can create a, a brighter future from a top down level. Um, yeah. it's very arrogant. It's like, Tower of Babylon type arrogance. So on the other end, I think it's good to um, do it from a bottom up level and bottom up, I mean, is like oh, what we're doing now, like connection between individuals or small groups, small communities, because then you actually have understanding of each other's uh, needs and wants and desires. Um, you actually support each other. You can trust each other and lean on each other. You don't need um, that many external laws or anything like that, because you, um, you have relations built on trust. Uh, and if, if there's enough of that around the world, then by definition, just, uh, 
good stuff starts floating up. Um, mm. But that's that's difficult, of course. Like when you when we at, when we lived like whatever ten thousand years ago uh, in those small communities, then that was the default. Um, but now we're living in a global society, and um, with like when you're walking through a city, like maybe you meet someone on the road that you know, like maybe one person, but like the other thousand or ten thousand people you see on the same day you don't know at all who they are um so you don't you can't trust them yet um so it's then it's difficult to to create that enough momentum for a specific um goal or or interest that you have as a group because the group there's not that many not, not, not that much of a group anymore yeah. um i even see it like like um in even like I, I live in a town, not that small a town, but town, but, um, and we as neighbors help each other somewhat, but it's like when, when, when I go, uh, like 200 meters out, then I don't really know the people, uh, in those places anymore. Um, so it's, um, yeah, where was I going with it? Yeah. I, I think, I think it should be a, a bottom up, um, route to approach. to a golden yeah. age yeah approach and and what would a golden age look like yeah oh. sorry or yeah no i i, I was thinking that i can uh, reframe the question in 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 uh, in based on, on on what you said because the the whole thing about this podcast is i tried to build it first as a top-down approach so i thought that i had to be like to have like this very clear definition of what a modern golden age would look like and then go in and meet people and then i realized that that was just plain stupid it didn't make any sense because one of the principles was co-creating and who i who am i to have this to say what uh, what the modern golden age looks like like so uh, i totally agree on that and like based on on one one what you said like having different communities working to, uh, or, or connecting and thinking about this uh, actually is, is a way to build a modern golden age first as different communities and then finding common principles that allow to, to unite these different communities into a bigger ones that can then create uh, like, like a modern golden age. So my question based on that would be what are some of the principles or values or beliefs that you think could unite these different groups and allow for a, a bottom-up approach to, to a modern golden age? Uh, I think I'll probably come back to like timeless principles or, or ideas like um, kindness. I think that's maybe the most important one. Be, be kind mm. to others and to yourself. Um, curiosity, although some people are more curious than others, but like at least leaning into that curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing you, I think people should lean into is like their weirdness. I also wrote about that, but it's like, um, like we're all different and unique. Um, and we all, I think have, have a gift or multiple gifts even for, for different things. Um, and it's, it's not like you can change that gift or something like that but you, what you can change is uh where you're at like there's this caricature comic somewhere i think of a group of animals uh in a row and then a teacher or director or boss or whatever says okay um 
now climb up the tree and like there's a monkey an elephant a mouse a fish. line whatever fish yeah. like in, some will be able to climb up the tree easily like the monkey but the elephant will never be able to uh, but it doesn't mean the elephant is worth less it's in what context are they so i think you should put yourself into a context where you can thrive and and use your gift and that's difficult for um c can be difficult for a bunch of reasons for example maybe your gift your power wasn't ever accepted as a kid somewhere uh, and then you have more difficulty accepting it yourself so you don't even go looking for where you fit in um all kinds of tragedies there but also very beautiful things for when you do find you fit in somewhere and i think that's that's very important um so i, I think that's the a power which which was much more um noticeable or or worked with in the past like if you had a small tribe or whatever 100 200 people um and you were born and and they would see like this kid is being born and had difficulty in early life for some reason or there's this gift or that gift and they they know like in I, i'm not sure where, where i've re read this but like uh the the kids that eventually like started to uh, apprentice with a shaman uh, in, in different kinds of cultures were usually the kids that had traumatic early life events or diseases or anything mm -hmm. because they went through the trauma and, and um, but they also usually went through the, through the trauma because they were very sensitive. Um, the, 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 the people in the tribe could see a sensitive child, but a sensitive ch child was also the one that was like in contact with, yeah, I'm go going to use some mythological terms or metaphysical terms, but you don't have mm -hmm. to understand this as as if it's metaphysical but that's how they looked at it then but like they those sensitive kids were more in contact with the divine you'd say like uh, and yeah. they became um shamans or apprentice of the shamans and then the shamans themselves because they were in contact with themselves and the divine and could understand like the um the psychology of of other people could change perspectives more easily could shape shift but it's just like that's actually just changing perspective and then helping people with with respect perspective um so yeah and you had all different kinds of of gifts within a community and and everyone saw each other as having different gifts and completely accepting and understanding those gifts and working with them yeah. while today everyone goes to the same type of school or and has to learn the same things and and is measured on this or tested on the same things, uh, yeah. which I find you're working with lots of kids uh, in school as well. You, you know how difficult that can be, like to put everyone in yeah. the same box or same label. It's, yeah. it's horrible, I yeah. think. So I think a, a big part of like a modern golden age is, I, I wouldn't say this this is how school should look like, but I, I can mm -hmm. say how it shouldn't look like. It shouldn't look like mm -hmm. what we have now, as I'd say, uh, as, yeah. as it relates to education. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I do believe that education is one of the most fundamental uh, areas that we can work with uh, in order to bring that modern golden age that associated with finding 
other people to create these smaller tribes where you can explore different values and ideas that allow for the emergence of, of, of guidelines to get into a modern golden age. Those two practices are those two beliefs I totally agree with. Gibran, I do have one last question to you, uh, which is you mentioned like some general principles that one could, could apply. Do you, is there any specific practice that you think uh, more people doing would allow for a modern golden age to, to emerge? And if so, what are, what is that practices? What is that practice or what are that, those practices? So, can you reply because you broke up uh, the, from the start of the question. Yeah, yeah sorry. So uh, I was, I was just saying that uh, you mentioned a lot of uh, like, uh, the idea of values and, and principles that one can, can go. But like my question would be, besides those, is there any specific practices that you think one should do or could do in order to bring that modern golden age? Um, yeah, I think, um, yes, I, I have like a, a general idea around it and also a specific exercise even so the general idea i'd say is um understanding yourself better because if you understand yourself then you know who you are and what your gift is or what you can give to the world uh, and if everyone would do would do that then we can all give of ourselves to each other um and also be able to receive big things because we know we don't have those other things so if I yeah. know, for example, that I am, di I, I have, uh, have difficulty, uh, in like whatever public speaking or something, uh, yeah. but I do have cool ideas that are maybe valuable to be spoken aloud. I can share those ideas with the people that love speaking, uh, aloud, uh, for example. Um, and so to understand yourself, I think like introspection is really important. Um, and there's different ways you can introspect. Um, and like the, the, what works for me is, is journaling, uh, whether it's like writing or just sometimes I record myself, um, that helps me a lot, but for other people, uh, it's, it's something else, uh, you, and, and I think what that's maybe why I focus on creativity so much as well. Um, I think for most people, uh, creative expression is actually the the way to start to understand themselves because they're mm. when you're expressing yourself creatively, it comes from like the deep part inside and then you put it out mm. and then you can see it again in a song or a po yeah. poetry or whatever way your, your, uh, your expression, uh, whatever form your, your expression takes and then you yeah. can see it and then you can actually reflect because you're seeing it in front of you. It's, it's not hidden anymore somewhere inside of you, you created it and then you can, can look at it and other people can see it as well. And for some people it will resonate and then they can understand a part of themselves as well. So I think like, um, creative expression is key. Um, and maybe some type of journaling or, or anything that's maybe more, that's maybe more goal oriented, like trying to understand yourself through journaling and creative expression is maybe not that much goal oriented, but also helps in, in understanding yourself. Um, yeah, the, the idea that uh, your creative expression is actually one of the best ways to, to know, like your your gift is, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Jiran, 
Uh, I want to thank you, uh, of course, for, for doing this. Uh, my last question would be, if people want to connect with you, what are the best places to do so? Uh, well, Twitter for one, I, I'm hanging around there a lot. We met through that. Um, so you can find me on, uh, uh, my handle is at uh, askgibran, A-S-K-J-I-B-R-A-N. Uh, I also have a Substack, so it's just gibran.substack.com. And I also have, a, a, if you want to find my creative assessment and some older blog posts, you can find me on uh, gibranelbasi.com. So just like my full name.com. Um, that's one of the, <laughs> the pros of having a unique name. You can just, you can get the domain yeah, name. The, the domain. Yeah. So Gibran, once again, thank you so much. We'll leave the, the links in the description uh, of the show with all those, um, all those different links, actually. And that said, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it was a real pleasure to everyone listening. Uh, if you want, you can leave uh, a review of the podcast in your favorite podcast platform. Also, maybe subscribing to the YouTube channel or my newsletter. That's the best way for you to get information on every single show. Uh, and you should also go and follow Gibran on, on Twitter and on his Substack. And that's it. I'll see you guys on the, on the next episode. Goodbye. Thank, Thank you, you. Gibran.